This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 595 with Elena Joy Thurston. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 595. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Thrive Cosmetics. To save 15% off your first order, go to thrivecosmetics.com slash shameless. That's thrivecausemedics.com slash shameless. Elena Joy Thurston is an inspirational LGBTQ plus speaker, trainer, and founder of the nonprofit Pride and Joy Foundation. A Mormon mama four who lost her marriage, her church, and her community when she came out as a lesbian, Elena's viral TEDx talk on surviving conversion therapy has been viewed 40,000 plus times and landed her media and speaking opportunities with ABC, CBS, Logitech, Penn State, and Michaels. Elena Joy recently launched the Pride and Joy Publishing House, the only publisher of solely LGBTQ plus empowerment and business books. I recently met Elena through a coaching program we were both in and we were on our first Zoom call and within minutes I was messaging her like, hey, would you want to be on my podcast? I just immediately knew that we could have a really powerful and important conversation. And I'm so grateful that she said yes, because she has an incredible story and she shares it so generously. Her message is of the utmost importance and I'm so glad that you're here to hear it. I also want to talk about an event that Elena has coming up. So we'll mention this at the end, but I just wanted to give it a shout out here at the top of the show as well. Coming up, Elena will be hosting the ALP Ask, Listen, Plan 
training, which is a suicide awareness and prevention skills training for parents of LGBTQ plus and gender nonconforming youth. And so I wanted to point you to this training right away. The link will be in the show notes. So if you're on your phone, you can hit pause, go to the show notes. If you're on your computer, you can go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode 595 with Elaine Joy Thurston, and you can get the link there. But you can go ahead and sign up for this training. And it's free with a suggested $20 donation. So do what you can. But as we know, suicide risk is really high for members of the LGBTQ plus community. And Elena will reference this in her own story. And I want to make sure that you understand that this is an option and an opportunity for you to participate as a parent if you have a gender nonconforming or LGBTQ plus child in your life. And this could be a really big deal. This could be something that can shift the way that you can support your child. And so I wanted to make sure that we address that from the top of the show. So Now, let me tell you a little bit about what Elena Joy is going to share with us. She's going to talk us through her journey through marriage in the Mormon church to growing a family of four children to realizing that she had built a life that was not true to who she was. Then she shares her experience of coming out as a lesbian as a Mormon mom of four. She talks about how Mormonism encouraged her to disconnect from her body and how she was able to give up control over her body and then actually finally step into her body. She talks about finding opportunities to be embodied and how this led her to actually realizing her sexuality. She shares her fear of losing her children for an eternity when coming out. And this was so heartbreaking to me. And I think this is going to touch every one of us moms listening to this conversation. She shares her experience going through conversion therapy to quote unquote, fix her attraction to women. She talks about the intense gaslighting and traumatization of conversion therapy that led her to suicidal thoughts. And then she shares how she was finally able to own her sexuality, move out of her home and her marriage and into a new life as a gay woman. And lastly, she shares her advice and guidance to women who might be stuck in the closet right now. This is a really powerful conversation with a lot of takeaways. And I know that everyone will walk away with something that allows you to be either a better ally or have a deeper understanding for the members of your community that are LGBTQ plus people, or you might be a member of the LGBTQ plus community yourself and see some of yourself in Elena Joy's story. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Please sign up for Elena's upcoming workshop for suicide risk awareness, the ALP workshop that I mentioned. That'll be linked up in the show notes. And with all that said, please join me in welcoming Elena Joy to the Shameless Mom Academy. Elena Joy, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. Hi, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be great. Yes. We recently met and I'm putting met in air quotes because we're (laughs) in a business coaching group where we are both members of the group. And so we end up on all these zoom calls together and then via social media, we reached out to have a conversation like, Hey, why don't you come on my podcast? But this is like really our first time, like meeting, meeting in a conversation. That's just the two of us. And I'm so excited. Me too. Yes. You've been like in the atmosphere and now we actually get to connect. I'm so excited. Yes. So fun. I love how the internet works sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes it's a really beautiful thing. (laughs) True. So I want you to tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Oh my goodness. My life is a little bit nuts. It is You know, I've got four kids. One is at college. One is a high school senior. I have one who's in the throes of junior high. And then I have my baby who's just trying to get through elementary school. So I've got that and I've got... You have one at every single level. I really do. Yeah. I know. It's a little nuts. How are you even here right now? (laughs) 
I'm very impressed. <laughs> no, let me be very clear how I'm here right now. I have an amazing partner and for so long for like decades, I was the amazing supportive partner. Mm. And I am now experiencing the other side of that, where I have a partner who like yesterday, there was a medical thing and my daughter really needed a mom at school with her because she had issues she needed to take care of. And there I was in the middle of a product launch and I get off the phone with the school nurse and my partner has already like gathered the supplies. She's already in the car. She's already on the way to school. Oh my gosh. Right. And right now, like my junior high daughter is on the couch because she just got fillings done this morning. And my partner was the one who sat there and held her hand through the whole thing and has her tucked in and is getting her everything she needs. Like it is, I'm telling you, a bunch of us are having partner envy right now, by the way, (laughs) real, (laughs) real, but yeah. So my life is absolutely insane and it's held together by really incredible people. So, oh my gosh. I I mean, that's such a beautiful explanation or piece of your story right there and kind of view into what's (laughs) happening in your life. And you referenced, like, there's clearly a whole backstory to everything you just referenced as well. So let's just dive into that. So you mentioned having this partner now, who's this really supportive partner and being, how that contrasts having been in a previous relationship where you were the supportive partner. So can Mm. you talk a bit about those two relationships and what brought you to this place where you are now? Oh my gosh. All right. Let's try to sum that up for you there, Sarah. (laughs) How many hours do you need? We can have a seven part series. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Everyone buckle up because this is a soap opera. Just like get out your popcorn and snuggle (laughs) in because here we go. All right. So I met and married my husband when I was, wait for it, 20 years old. I was a senior in college. He had just gotten back from his mission that he served for the LDS church or commonly known as the Mormons. And we got married and I put him through his bachelor's and his master's program. And by the time I was 32, we had four beautiful babies. And by the time I was 37, I was like the ultimate consummate Mormon mom. It's funny because if you live in areas like Arizona, Idaho, Utah, certain parts of California, you absolutely know those Mormon moms. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We were a force to be reckoned with and you could spot us in the grocery stores, you could spot us everywhere. So that's who I was. And I was very in the thick of it. And then at 37, my youngest went off to kindergarten. And for the first time I had like six hours a day to think for myself. And I started to realize without the distraction of being a straight A mom Mm. that I was really not enjoying my life. And that was very shameful. And I think I'm sure we're going to get into that because that's the topic of the podcast. But I was so ashamed because I knew exactly how privileged and hashtag blessed my life was. I lived in the community, right? Like the white picket fence surrounding the whole neighborhood, the big trees as you drive down the road, like that's where I lived and that's who I was. And I knew I had nothing to complain about, right? Like we enjoyed an abundant income. I had four healthy babies. Like how could I not love my life? I had worked so hard to create that life. How could I not love every single part of it? And because of the shame, I just covered it up with a blanket in my brain, right? The blanket of shame, I called it. And I just tried to ignore the fact that there was this voice in my head telling me, 
you don't like this. This isn't who you want to be. This isn't who you are. You are playing a role. And I just tried to really shut that voice up by doing a lot of things. You know, I did what every 30 something mom does when her last kid goes to school, at least in my area, I joined a gym (laughs) and it wasn't just like a gym. It was like one of those cult like gyms where you go like six days a week. (laughs) They're like family. And of course I started to lose weight and boy, I loved that. I loved hearing all the feedback of how good I looked and how I was under control, right? I was in control. Mm, I was in control of my life. I was in control of my kids. I was in control of my body, but even then there were still too many hours a day that those thoughts and that voice could come back at me. And so then I started long distance running. So I became like an athlete athlete, right? I was doing weightlifting. I was doing running. I was loving that feeling of invincibility that I could accomplish anything I wanted to, because I had the control over everything. Mm -hmm. And I was literally just running away from my life. I mean, you can't hear the voices in your head when you're struggling to breathe (laughs) because I was (laughs) not a natural runner by any means. And I was still really disconnected and trying to figure out how to get connected with myself again. Were you realizing like something's off or something's missing Mm -hmm. or... Okay. Yeah. Every Sunday I was going to church and, and I wasn't feeling it. I was struggling and I was really judgy about everyone around me, which is very typical when you're in any kind of high demand culture, you know, when there's a bar to be, when there's a bar set, you're constantly judging. Have you hit the bar? Have the people around you hit the bar? Are your kids hitting the bar? Right. And it just kind of got out of control. And I started a new hobby because I needed more distraction. And that was fly fishing. If you can believe that. And the I contrast of like going to the gym and <laughs> I know. marathon training and then fly fishing, just I know. standing still in one place and waiting. Yeah. Right. And that was exactly it because I had never really done much yoga or meditating or anything like that. I mean, when you're Mormon, like all solutions come from prayer and scriptures. Like there was no reason to do any yoga or meditating. And there I was standing in a river trying to catch the damn fish. <laughs> it was, it is so amazing how all the tabs in your brain start closing and you stop wondering like, did I read my scriptures this morning? Did my kids get all their homework done? You know, that one comment that he made last night, what did he mean by that? Right? Like all mm-hmm. those thoughts have to go away because you're standing in this river doing this very technical sport. And that was the first time in my adult life that I started to realize it's okay to be present in my body. My body had always been something that needed to be overcome. My body was something that could tempt me into sinning. And so I had to have control over my body. My body was like this temporary thing that I needed to control so that I could get into heaven. And here I am at 37, standing in a river with a fly rod in my hand and realizing I really like being in my body it's safe. It's okay to be in my body. And from that came the realization. Yeah. That I wasn't meant to be married to a man. (laughs) Wow. Can I ask, did that, because I'm assuming there was a little bit of like evolution to that thinking where there was Mm -hmm. like, 
having some thoughts about something related potentially to another woman or something where mm-hmm. like, I'm assuming it wasn't just like all of a sudden, huh? As it turns out, I'm gay. <laughs> I mean, no, yeah, definitely. It was like little maybe <laughs> warnings or triggers or things. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and then it came like that. It just became stronger or louder for you. Absolutely. Yeah. There were little things like, so there I was like fl- obsessed with this new hobby, right? Trying to go every single weekend and learn more about it and get to know people. And so I was going to a fly fishing club and there were like 150 old white men. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. there was me. And then there was the vice president of the board and they forced her to come over and chat with me. And she was like, just because I'm a woman. And they're like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> She came over begrudgingly and made it her goal to say something to me to offend me so that she would never have to talk to me again (laughs) or any other person that was assigned to her. So she came over and she said, well, yeah, I guess only boobs can talk to other boobs. So hi. (laughs) And I cracked up laughing and she was like, oh, no. (laughs) So we just started this really beautiful friendship. And part of what it was in the beginning was this, wow, she's not married. She doesn't have kids. She's not Mormon. And so it was all new conversation. You know, it was all new perspective and connection. And it was this really great friendship. And what that sparked was this happiness within myself that I hadn't experienced before. And so I kept seeking out people and relationships and experiences that brought that happiness back. And it was in, it started to create this intense juxtaposition of there were times when I was present and fully embodied. And then there were times that I wasn't. And the emotions that I felt during those two different experiences were very polarized opposites. And it's, I started to realize that on Sunday mornings, when I was sitting in the church pews with my husband, that was not a peaceful, happy, embodied happiness. You know, that was, I'm playing a role and I hadn't realized how shallow it was until I started having experiences that were deeper than this. So it was definitely, yes, it was definitely like a trend of realizing that a certain way of being and feeling and living brought me happiness that I didn't realize was there. Oh my goodness. I think we've all been in situations where we feel that juxtaposition. Mm -hmm. And I mean, sometimes in a grand scale way, like what you're explaining, where you're like, holy cow, my whole life is not embodied. And (laughs) this experience with this woman who's like yelling, trying to be like, make potentially a crude joke or whatever, but you find it hilarious and you feel like this level of connection and elation. There's (laughs) there's this other part of you that can exist in a different way. And I'm thinking about when my son was really little and just having been stuck in mom life. And he was like 18 months old. And my husband and I went out on like a really silly date night. We like went to target and then went to like some quick dinner or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I remember being in target and laughing about something and feeling like, holy cow, I have not been this version of me since before Mm -hmm. he was born and recognizing like when I'm home in newborn land and in this new role of Sarah, the mom, Mm -hmm. it's, I'm not the fun person I used to be. And that was so, I was like immediately 
disappointed by that juxtaposition. Cause I thought, holy cow, like it's been a year and a half since I've been this way. And then I thought my poor husband, I'm like, if you haven't heard me laugh in a year and a half, like, sorry, I've been a really awful person to be around. (laughs) We have those moments where you feel something that feels so good and you don't even realize that it hasn't been there. And then in that moment, you realize that it's been missing for however long, or maybe it's never been there. And you're like, oh crap, like I need to do something about that. Now I can't ignore that. Like for me, I could not ignore that I had become the shell of myself. And, yeah. and that's, you know, in a lot of ways, what led me to starting the podcast. And I'm imagining to you, like once you started to feel that you couldn't ignore that you had these two ways of being in your body or two ways of existing. Mm-hmm. And only one of them allowed you to be in your body. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Like there are certain things that once you come to a knowledge of it, you can't go backwards. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It changes the fabric of reality. Yeah. So how long, so this was when you were 37 Mm -hmm. and is that like, was this the beginning of your journey of recognizing your sexuality? And then did you come out shortly thereafter or did tell us kind of the next sequence of events? Yeah. So that was in 2017. Mm -hmm. And You know, I had really convinced myself that I was not a touchy feely person. I didn't like to cuddle. I didn't like to hold hands. PDA is disgusting, you know, like all those things. And then I'll never forget, like sitting next to my new friend in my living room and explaining to her, yeah, I'm just not a touchy feely person. And then her looking at me with the spark in her eye and being like, you are halfway on my lap, Elena. (laughs) And that was my realization of like, oh my gosh, like this role that I've put myself in of this like very solitary person Mm -hmm. is not reality. Mm -hmm. It really isn't. And I think it was easy to go there because when you're having baby after baby, right? Like your body is not your own anymore. Your body for many years belongs to your child, really. Mm -hmm. And kind of our coping mechanism to stay sane through that is to just kind of disconnect, you know, like, especially I nursed my four babies. I mean, it was like, it was years before I were in it for a long time. Yes, I was. (laughs) And so it's not illogical or weird, that we can really disconnect that way, especially when you add on the layer of religion that I had. When you are Mormon, there's the temple, like there's regular like Sunday buildings or congregation buildings that you go to on Sundays, but then there's like the temple and that's like a very special place and you have to be worthy, considered worthy to go inside it. You have to meet all this criteria and it's kind of the pinnacle. You're not getting to heaven unless you go to the temple. And once you've gone through the temple, you wear what's called temple garments, which are these, it's clothing that you wear under your clothes. And it serves quite a few different purposes, but one of which is to provide modesty. So you, women are not going to wear like sleeveless shirts because that would show your temple garments. And you wouldn't wear like short skirts because that would show your temple garments. And you make a very solemn vow to not remove them needlessly. And so for 20 years, After I had gone through the temple, I would like take a shower, immediately put my garments on. Like I would go swimming, immediately put my garments back on. I didn't really see my body for like Mm. 10 years. Do men have temple garments? They do. Yep. So interesting. I did not know about temple garments. Yeah. It's definitely easier for men because a lot of men typically wear like boxer briefs and an undershirt anyway. Right. So it just looks like white versions of those for women. 
it's the bottoms are worn as your underwear and they go all the way to your knee because you're not supposed to wear anything shorter than your knee. And then again, the shirts are like a higher neck and they have cap sleeves to make sure you continue dressing modestly. Okay. Oh, interesting. This episode is supported by Thrive Cosmetics. I am obsessed with my Thrive Cosmetics because they support my 90 second beauty routine goal in which I give myself 90 seconds to put on makeup in the morning. And I know some of you can relate. Like if it takes 98 seconds, then the whole household is late for everything that day. And it's not cute. It's not pretty. So I love my Thrive products because I can get them done real quick. So here's my Thrive Essentials. First, I use my liquid lash mascara every morning. It is like the cornerstone of putting on makeup in the morning. And so many of you have tried Thrive Liquid Lash Extension Mascara because I've recommended it and you've all loved it as well. So this ultra lengthening eye-opening mascara will make people think that you're wearing lash extensions when you're not. You'll be spending no time laying in a chair getting eyelash extensions put on and you'll be spending a teeny tiny fraction of the price of lash extensions to have that lash extension look. This mascara is brilliant and beautiful. The other new thing I've been trying out from Thrive that I'm loving is their Define Gravity Eye Lift Cream. So if you're like me and you're starting to get like tissue papery skin around your eyes, that's making you age really fast. I don't mind aging really, but I mean, I don't need to go from like 48 to 78 in one year or 45 to 75. I'm not even 48, 45 to 75. Let me correct that. So this Holy Grail eye cream instantly lifts tightens and brightens the look of skin around your eyes while giving you line smoothing and hydration. And I am loving it. So I want you to check out Thrive as well. They have an amazing mission for every product purchase they donate to help other women thrive, whether they're helping other women emerging from homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, fighting cancer, and much more. Thrive is a company with with a mission, and they also have clean, high-performing, skin-loving ingredients, and they never test on animals. So there's so many things to love about Thrive. Here's how you can check them out. So I want you to go to thrivecosmetics.com slash shameless, and you're going to save 15% off your first order. And when you do this, I'm pretty sure you're going to love Thrive as much as I do. And you get to be a part of their bigger than beauty mission that supports other women in thriving. So go to thrivecosmetics.com slash shameless now to save 15% off your first order that is only good here. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S.com slash shameless thrivecosmetics.com slash shameless. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Seed. Did you know that supporting your health can be as easy as taking two capsules a day? Each daily dose of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is formulated with 24 scientifically studied probiotic strains that support gut, skin, and heart health, helping you start the new year off right. Visit seed.com slash Spotify and use code Spotify25 to get 25% off your first month. So tell us about coming out. (laughs) Oh, well, every person who's come out, they first have to come out to themselves. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the hardest part, even though it didn't feel like it at the time. But looking back, it was a 20 plus year 
experience of convincing myself that I was a solitary person who didn't like physical contact, convincing myself that I just didn't enjoy sex. Mm. And I definitely went through a period where I was like, all wives don't enjoy sex, especially Mormon wives, because we all get married in our early twenties and we've never had any other partners. It's never discussed, right? It's not like you're at the park hanging out with your friends and you're talking about like I don't know, moves or positions or anything. Right. right? right, right. <laughs> so I, I'll never forget being out on a girl's night with a bunch of other moms in the neighborhood. And someone was complaining about something with their husband. And I responded jokingly with, well, it's not like wives enjoy sex anyway. And the whole group like stopped and looked at me. Oh my <laughs> they gosh. were like, yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Right. So it was definitely a lot of that. But at the same time, like I had gotten to a point where the juxtaposition that we talked about earlier was so concrete. It didn't take a lot of convincing of myself, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was very clear. Oh, like the things they talk about in romance novels actually happen. Like your knees actually go weak and you get butterflies yeah. in your tummy and you get tingles on the back of your neck. Like all those things actually happen. I just, and they, and they hadn't happened before. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, that's so fascinating that your body's like telling you mm-hmm. or, like your body's telling you. So your brain doesn't even have to. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. It becomes like this truth. Like the body is screaming at you. <laughs> And it just becomes like, wow, I want to feel that again. I need to feel that again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So talk about coming out to your, I'm assuming you came out to your husband. Mm -hmm. I mean, we know at this point your marriage ended at some point you had to come out to your kids. Can you walk us through that? Yeah. So my husband found out pretty quickly. I mean, I fell completely in love with my friend and Mm -hmm. that was like, just like loving texts back and forth. Like me, just like, I don't even know what I'm feeling or saying or doing. All I know is that like, I need you in my life. And so that didn't last very long because I don't know how to lie. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even have like a password on my phone. He was able to just like, look at my phone and see the text and be like, hello. And it was clear that like things were shutting down. You know, Mm -hmm. I was so confused up in my head. Like, it's not like we had this really great relationship that all of a sudden tumbled. We were a very good team. And I still think we're a very good team. We co-parent very well. We raise Mm -hmm. very good kids, but we were not supposed to be in an intimate relationship. (laughs) So the challenge after he found out the challenge was then like, The church really views homosexuality. They don't even call it homosexuality. They call it same sex attraction. And they view that as like a a stumbling block as something that could tempt you. It's very much viewed as like the same as if my husband had had an affair, like it was a stumbling block. It was a temptation and you can fix it. Something that should be fixed and that that could be fixed. All of that is in air quotes, by the way. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Like it was something, it was a sin. It was just a sin and you needed to repent and you needed to not ever do it again. And so that's instead of like coming out to the kids, instead of owning the sexuality, instead of realizing being a lesbian was even an option, it was, okay, I sinned. And I need to get back to heaven because that's where all my kids are going. 
And that is the framework of control that that particular relation or religion has is that, you know, you go through all these steps and you check all these boxes, including going to the temple and wearing your garments and paying your tithing and following all the rules. And that means you are sealed to your family. Mm-hmm. And a sealing is a belief that you're not only together in this life, but you're together in the afterlife. And if one of you screws up so that you can't be in heaven, then you're not going to be together forever. That is like a terrifying. So for someone who's not religious, it would like, there's a little bit of like, I'm imagining like, yeah. Okay. Like clearly that's not true or that's right. Like, clearly yeah. like, that, like there's some, maybe some eye rolling from people who aren't religious. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. right. But if you deeply believe that I'm imagining mm-hmm. terror, you would feel that if you acknowledge this thing that you lose your children. That's right. And that's exactly that's, right. Like when you speak of it from that perspective, like my mommy instincts are like, well, I mean, I'm going to do whatever it takes to not let that happen. Exactly. Exactly. Because you would do whatever it takes, even if that meant sleeping in a bed with a person for the rest of your life that you didn't want to be sleeping with. Those are your babies. And you're going to do anything to keep those babies. And that's exactly what I did. Keep them in this life, but also like that eternity. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's like a very overwhelming concept as someone like as a non-religious person, that's just a very (laughs) overwhelming concept. I'm, as I've had conversations with women around coming out and around sexuality, and we haven't touched on this religious component around that kind of fear and Mm -hmm. what that might feel like. So I just appreciate you bringing that up because there's a lot to that. It's not like I'm going to have to like deal with the custody schedule. It's that like, I'm going to not be in the afterlife with my children. That's right. And I had taught them from the moment that they were born, that we had to do everything we could in our power to be together forever as a family. And so that meant them doing their end of the bargain and listening to everything I taught them. And that meant me doing my end of the bargain and staying worthy of going to the temple and going to the celestial kingdom. Right. So what I did was I found someone who said they could fix me. It was this person, and I'll put therapist in air quotes, who said, yeah, I've done this for 40 years. You know, you come in and I help you out. And his framework was that something happened to you when you were younger or little that made you think that men are not safe and that women are. And so if we can fix that, again, another buzzword, trauma, we're going to fix that Mm -hmm. trauma in your life, then you won't be attracted to women anymore. So this is conversion therapy. Correct. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that sounded legit. That sounded yeah. totally oh, legit. Oh, I mean, the right? way you just framed that, and especially coming from a therapist with credentials, right. even and credentials, maybe in air quotes, yeah. but that absolutely make is logical. It that really is. Like, yeah, childhood trauma. I've heard of that. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Got it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. And so I was like, okay, let's do this. And so I enrolled myself. Most people, when they think about conversion therapy, they think about parents sending their teenagers away to a camp in the mountains, right. To not be gay anymore. But what's really happening in every city in America is that there are people who have given themselves a certification that says you can pay me a certain amount of money and I will make you straight again so that you can continue to live your privileged life. And that's what I did. I signed up for it myself as a college educated adult middle-class woman. I signed right up and said, take my money. I want to be straight again. I need my life back on the straight and narrow path. 
And did you end the relationship then? Correct. Yeah. Okay. I was not in contact with her anymore. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And then what yeah. happened? I well, feel like my neck. And then what happened? And then I what know, happened? right? <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of intense. So that was yeah. four days a week for two hours Holy. a day. <gasps> wow. And he told me this will take like a month. It typically takes a month. And we worked through a whole lot of like crazy memories of my parents. And you know what I mean? Like, like to pretty typical dysfunctional American family stuff. Right. And by the end of the month, I was like, well, I feel a lot better about my mom, (laughs) but I'm still having dreams about this woman every night. And the therapist again, in air quotes says, well, there must be something you're not telling me. There must be something else. Oh my gosh. This is like so much gaslighting. I cannot handle it for reals. I didn't even know the term at the time, if you can believe that. So, and yeah, there was, when I was 15, I'd been assaulted and I had never told my parents. I had never told the police. I'd never told my husband and it had only happened like five years before we got married. I had never told anyone. And I told this guy, because I wanted to be fixed. And he was overjoyed. Like, this is it. This is what's making you think you're gay. We're going to heal this and you're going to be fine. And so his method of healing, which I, you know, I've talked to a lot of real therapists and they're like, that is a legit technique is you tell the story over and over and over again. And maybe you insert a different ending, or maybe you, you know, you think about like if the police had showed up or if I had had a weapon on me or all these different things, right? How could I have played it out differently? And, and so that's what I did for two hours a day, four days a week for the next four months, I was replaying this assault that happened to me at 15, all in the hopes that it would heal this trauma and I could go back to just living my regular normal life again. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, And then what happened was the Me Too movement and the Brett Kavanaugh hearings and listening to that woman relate her experience that was so incredibly similar to what I had been through and watching the men around me, including my sons, react to that. And then reading the headlines of 75% of American women have been assaulted at some time in their lives and finally connecting the dots and realizing 75% of American women are not lesbians. Mm -hmm. Like I have incredibly amazing women in my life who have been assaulted earlier in their lives who are still fantastically in love with their husbands and attracted to other men as well. Like Mm -hmm. they are very straight. Mm -hmm. And if anyone should be turned off by men and male bodies, it's them because of what they experienced and they are not. And that was finally what made me realize these two things are not correlated. Being traumatized at a young age by the male gender does not mean that you grow up to be a lesbian period. Oh my goodness. So much there. So when you have this realization, what do you do with this now? I'm, do you now feel like, okay, like now it's confirmed. Like, did you feel like you had confirmation and peace and comfort in no, and understanding that or just more terror, which would be very reasonable. Right. I think there was definitely both along with the fact that some really crazy stuff was going on, like literally in my brain, because Mm -hmm. the danger of conversion therapy is that it does not work. 
It's never right. been proven to work. Right. And yet the way it's set up is that if it doesn't work, it must be you. You must not be trying hard enough. You must not really want to be straight. Like we've given you this protocol. You must not have followed it the right way because you're still thinking about women. Mm-hmm. And so that leads to, I've been praying every day to make this work. I've been doing all my homework. I've been, you know, my life at that time was get up, get the kids off to school, go to the gym, work out, go to conversion therapy for two hours, come home, do the kids, right. The laundry and the boy scouts and the karate lessons and all the things, get them to bed, do my own homework that this therapist assigned me, and then maybe sleep for a few hours while I dream of her and cry. Mm. Like that was my life six months into it. And so like dopamine and serotonin. Yeah, there was none. (laughs) There was none. And unfortunately, 57% of people who go through conversion therapy end up suicidal. Mm -hmm. And that's where I ended up. And so I was trying to stay here. I was trying to stay alive when I was making the realization that childhood trauma does not correlate to sexual orientation. Yeah, And that's when it came down to I'd rather my kids have a gay mom than a dead mom. Mm. I have to stay here. And even if that means they go to heaven without me, at least I'll have now. I need to stop living for heaven so that I can have now. Because if I keep trying to live for heaven, I might not wake up tomorrow. Yeah. So that was where it got. And once I made that decision, like, I don't know what God thinks about me. I don't know what the church thinks about me. All I know is that I want to wake up tomorrow. All I know is my head isn't a safe place to be, and I'm very scared. Mm -hmm. And every time I said the words, I am a lesbian, I felt more alive and connected Mm -hmm. to the earth. Like the more I felt physically here. And so I just kept saying it (laughs) because it just felt really good. Yeah. So very little tiny baby steps. You know, I filed for divorce. I got a rental. I moved out for the first time since I was 20. I lived on my own and I just put religion on the back burner while I tried to figure out my life a little bit. And then finally I had spent like six months in this rental. And I mean, that could be an entire podcast in and of itself when a person who's living in a mixed sexual orientation relationship for decades that master bedroom becomes this very emotionally charged place. Mm. You know, there's so much emotion around it, both some positive, but a lot of negative, you know, I mean, it wasn't a fair situation to anyone, myself, my husband, my kids, no one. And so for six months I was in my own space. And I think that gave me so much strength that I was then able to go to God and just, pray and just ask, you know, do you want me to be that gay Mormon mom who just goes to church to be with her kids, you know, and I won't be able, I mean, everything was stripped at that point. I wasn't allowed to pray in public. I wasn't allowed to go to the temple. I wasn't allowed any of the privileges of membership because you weren't living with your family. Had, had you come out or you, I had come out? Oh, yeah. Okay. You, okay. Well, okay. And see, it's still complicated because there is a rule that if the parent is a known homosexual, the child cannot be baptized. 
And it was the age for my youngest to get baptized. And she wanted to get baptized just like all her siblings had. Right. And so I didn't want to stand in the way of that. So I had to stay in the closet until she got baptized. And then I was able to talk about it a little more. And that's when I was able to tell my kids. Okay. This episode is supported by my very own Tenacious Mamas Business and Leadership Mastermind. So Tenacious Mamas is my business and leadership mastermind where I work for six months at a time with moms who are building, growing, scaling businesses. It is, oh my goodness, one of my favorite things I do. Every week I get to get together with these mamas. I also get to get together with them one-on-one at times during their membership or during the course of their time with us. And then I also get to get together with them in person. And if you're listening to this recording in live time, it is a Wednesday and tomorrow, Thursday, November 4th, I actually will be meeting with my Tenacious Mamas in Seattle for our in-person retreat. I haven't been able to do this in over two years, and I could not be more excited. So here is my call out for you, or my call in for you as it may be. If you are a mom who is growing a business, maybe you just started a business and you need some support, maybe you have a business and you want to take it to the next level, I have been business coaching for the last number of years for, I don't know, four years now. But prior to that, I had been running successful businesses for 18 years. So I had a brick and mortar business. I've had three online businesses. I know a thing or two about a thing or two when it comes to running your business. And I've been able to support women in growing all kinds of businesses over the last four years or so as I've stepped into this role of business coaching. I've helped people take their business to their first six-figure year. I've been able to walk with women into their first seven-figure year. It's been an incredible, incredible ride. And I have to say, my favorite part is when I get to meet up with people in person, which is what we're doing in the next few days, which I cannot wait for. So if you are like, holy cow, I need to know more about this, sign me up, then I want you to come to a free training that I'm doing. So this free training I'm doing is for anyone who has any questions about how I've built my businesses, what my secrets to success have been, some of the hard, ugly, messy lessons I've learned along the way, and then also a lot of the mindset work that I do around being a CEO and around being a business owner. So I'm offering this free training on November 18th, and you can sign up for free if you go to shamelessmom.com slash business. That's shamelessmom.com slash business, and you'll get to sign up for the free workshop, three essential building blocks you need to grow your business. So that's going to be the overview of our talk. I will walk you through all of the things that I know, all the lessons I've learned, all the hard lessons I've learned, give you my best tips for growing your business. And then there will also be an opportunity to apply for Tenacious Mamas. So if you're interested in applying for my mastermind, if it sounds like it could be the next right step for you, I'd love to have you apply. And if it doesn't apply to you right now, totally fine. Just come listen to my business tips and have a fun conversation with me. So if you join me on November 18th, you're going to get all the information, all the goodies and an awesome, awesome training. Go to shamelessmom.com slash business to get yourself signed up. What was your kid's reaction? Because they were, some of them were old enough to under, you know, because you have an age range among the four of them. I'm imagining they were able to understand at different levels. Absolutely. I told my girls first, they were like ages eight and 10. And I kept trying to be like, okay, so you know how daddy has a new girlfriend and he's happy and we're happy for him. Mommy has a girlfriend too. And they were like, yeah, we know she's a girl. She's your friend. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, (laughs) stick with me, kid. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, as they kind of saw myself and my girlfriend, like interacting more, holding hands on the couch and cuddling in the kitchen, you know, then they started to like, okay, I get it. You know, and for them, it, it was more like, 
longer looks and mm-hmm. questioning glances, but yeah. it was never like, this is bad or this is evil or this is wrong. The first time I had a bottle of wine in my fridge, my first daughter was actually way more upset about that than the fact that I had a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. Isn't it interesting? Like the messaging yes. is ingrained and probably at that age, alcohol had been villainized oh, yeah. more yeah. so than sexuality in, right. within the church. Exactly. And so that was like the thing for her versus yep. sexuality probably just wasn't really on her radar yet. And right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super interesting. So with my boys, they were 13 and 15 at the time, pretty sure. And that was really scary because not only were they older, so they understood the ramifications of it more. You know, they understood that that meant we were not an eternal family anymore. Mm. But also I knew exactly what they thought about homosexuality because I was the one that taught it to them. I was the oh, one that told more them. more about that. So what did yeah. you taught them? Well, lots of things. God doesn't want you to be homosexual because then you can't have a family. And that's the entire point of being on this planet is for us to have a family and become more like God. So if you're a homosexual, you frustrate the entire plan. You're going against everything. So that your God messaging had be. reinforced the church. Plan. Absolutely. Okay. I Absolutely. wasn't sure if you had like made space for any alternatives no. over the years. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we were that family, okay. you know, my yeah. kids were going to get their Eagle Scout award. Like they were going to go to BYU, like the whole thing. Yeah. We were yeah. that family. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So knowing that as well as my ex-husband and I had made the decision we were going to live in the same neighborhood because the kids could walk to school, walk to the high school, walk to mom and dad's houses. Like we had intentionally made that decision. And so I had this deep seated fear that when I told my teenage boys, they were just going to walk out the front door and walk to their dad's house and be done with me. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. 
Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. So I really, I avoided it for quite a while. And then I found out through a mutual friend that my ex-husband was like, if she doesn't tell them, I will. Mm. But he wanted them to know that I was a sinner and that, because we're very much taught like many religions do, right? That you don't hang out with sinners because yeah. you might start sinning too. Yeah. So you got to avoid them. And we were in the middle of, you know, the divorce and the nastiness and the custody battle and all of that craziness. And so then it was, well, he's not telling my story. I'll be damned if he's telling my story. This is my story, right? Mm -hmm. And so that definitely lit the fire under my butt because I had really been hiding it from them for a long time. I was just so scared. And I finally told them. And it's funny because the oldest was like, yeah, I kind of figured. Are you kidding me? You're like, and here I've been terrified. And <laughs> right? Like not a event for you. <laughs> exactly. It was definitely hard. And we mm -hmm. continue to navigate that. You know, they get serious mixed messages in their lives. Are they um, still in the church? Your children? They are. Okay. My boys are. I would okay. say that my boys are active. Okay. One of my children tells me that she does not identify as a Mormon anymore. Okay. Which I think is a great way to phrase it. Yes, I love it. And um, and my other daughter, I think she's really thinking. Mm -hmm. She's really critically observing and thinking and working it out for herself. Yeah. Which is beautiful to see. So, yeah. you know, my boys, for a while, the church had a rule similar to if a parent is a known homosexual, the child cannot be baptized. There was a very similar rule that if the parents had known homosexual, that the kid can't go on a mission. And we had been setting our boys up with the expectation that they would go on a mission their entire lives. Cause that's what worthy boys did. They went on a mission. Mm -hmm. That's what God wants you to do. So it's possible that my boys will not be able to go on their missions because of me. That's really hard for mm -hmm. all of us to understand and unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know how it's going to go. So BYU is the church school where my son is going and it has an honor code, which you have to adhere by, or you get kicked out of school. Right. And so the honor code is like, you can't drink, you can't do drugs, you can't cheat, you can't grow a beard, you can't dress immodestly, and you can't engage in any homosexual behavior. So there's a lot of issues around that right now. You know, the NCAA is saying, mm -hmm. we don't know if we want to keep you in here because you're really homophobic. Yeah. yeah. And so there's been a lot of talk and a lot of protests and a lot of leadership. I mean, I'm just going to say it. Two weeks ago, one of the prophets was speaking at BYU and was saying, you need to defend our values with musket fire. Wow. And that felt really inflammatory to yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there were protests on campus and my boy was there watching that. And so it's getting very polarized mm -hmm. currently in the, even within the religion, it's getting yeah. very polarized. Yeah. yeah. Does that give you hope? Like, do you think there's, yeah. So my son goes to Catholic school and I was raised Catholic and 
it's been really interesting and it's a really progressive Catholic school and we're in Seattle, which is a really progressive city. So mm-hmm. like, that's kind of like the crutch I lean on where I'm like, Oh, but we're like Seattle Catholic people. <laughs> and we like, don't practice a lot of things and don't believe in a lot of things and whatever, but like, we just really love the school and the community and blah, blah, blah. But there does become this point when like the Vatican releases statements and I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, I'm like, what are we a part of? And it's not just me. It's like our entire school community that I'm in touch with right. feels the same. I mean, it's yeah. really, really complicated and tricky and layered. And as someone who doesn't feel allegiance to the church, but feels an allegiance to a community, community. Yep. Family, certain family and friends in that community, it's like, it's really it's super tricky. It's like not a clear. And then there's definitely people who I know from outside of that community that are like, I can't even believe you send your kid to a cat. Like the think it's absolutely like counter to my, the values that I promote even on the show. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like there's this both and, but I can also see how to a lot of people, it does not look like a both and at Mm -hmm. all. Right. I mean, I've had to have that exact conversation with my son, who's a senior and his dad, of course, wants him to go to BYU and he could probably get in. He's doing really well. But the thing is, is I've had to have the conversation with him of, do you want that on your resume? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that will be how you introduce yourself to yeah. people for your entire twenties, you know, is where'd you go to school? I went to BYU. They're going to make a lot of assumptions about you. Yes. Right. From yeah. That. Yeah. And you need to decide if you want to be affiliated with that. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure as we're getting closer on time here, yeah. one of the things that you shared with me and that I kind of in our pre-interview, we touched on as well, that I was like, I'm seeing this more and more. You shared that every time you do an interview like this, moms come to you and they say that they thought they were the only ones trapped in the closet. And you've seen that there are many, many moms like you who may be married young and now, or maybe not married young, yeah. but have been married for some period of time and now realize their true sexuality. And so what is your message to moms? who are in the closet and don't know how to find their way out. And I should give the context of our pre-interview. And I was like, I have had multiple women on the show in the last year who have lived mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily as connected to the Mormon church and ha- with all yeah. the re- religious experience, but have had the situation of being in a marriage for 10 to 20 years. And then they're like, oh, actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not who I am as it turns out. <laughs> and so you're saying like, this is more common than we think. And so what is your message to moms who maybe are like, holy cow, there's parts of the story that reflect me as well? Absolutely. Well, first I think we need to identify, I'll tell you what, it was probably April or May in 2020. And I was like, if I was still married and had to quarantine with that man, (laughs) one of us would not be alive right now. (laughs) I was so grateful that I had the path that I did, that I was able to get started on my authentic life before COVID happened. Oh my gosh. So I think that that's really what has pressed the issue, not only for wives, but also for husbands and also for kids is all of a sudden, not only are you trapped together in one place with very little options of escaping, but also our mortality has been shoved in our faces. Yeah, You know, people one in every 500 Americans has died from COVID. And so that just came out yesterday and that was real eye-opening. It really was. And so we're realizing like, I might be healthy today, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be healthy tomorrow. My life could be cut short at any minute. And of course that's always reality, but there are certain experiences that we go through and this time collectively that makes us realize like how precious our one wildlife is. And so a lot of us have come to the realization during COVID. And I think my biggest, you know, I get these messages 
probably three times a week, most often over Instagram. And it's women in the middle of the night saying, I'm typing this on my phone in my closet, like literally, because no one can know because I'm trapped. I have four kids. I have five kids. I've been a stay-at-home mom for the last 15 years. I have no work experience. Like, I don't know how to live this life. And it's never, ever, ever my place to say, get out, get out, get out, go be authentic, go be yourself. Like that's not my place in any way, shape or form. But what I do know is that when our body is screaming at us, if we don't listen, we lose ourselves. Mm -hmm. When we pretend with our bodies, our bodies revolt Mm -hmm. and you are risking a lot by ignoring what your body's trying to tell you. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you share, I know you have an event coming up that kind of leading right from what you just said, the risk to our bodies and the risk to our health and our safety and well-being in ignoring who we truly are. And you mentioned the risk of suicidal ideation, the risk Mm -hmm. of suicide attempt, like that is just, those numbers are astronomical. When we look at the LGBTQ plus community and what happens when one denies their, their own identity. So can you talk about, I know you have an event coming up, what that looks like and what that's about. We do. Yes. We have a virtual workshop that we do. We typically do it for LGBTQ college age students because we can find them and we can hold this workshop. And what it is, is a suicide risk awareness. And so we go through all the stats of their local area of where the risk is in suicide. Um, And that in and of itself can be so eye-opening. And then we go into what are some red flags to look for? What is a plan that you can put into place? And so we call it our ALP workshop, Ask, Listen, Plan. And it's not that we're expecting anyone to like, be a therapist or save someone's life. It's very similar to like a CPR class. You can go for an hour and a half, learn CPR, and then in an emergency, you are empowered to to give help and to give direction. And sometimes that saves life. And sometimes it's just you being a really good person. And so what we're doing on November 9th is we're providing that workshop for parents of LGBTQ kids. And this is such a unique population because LGBTQ youth are some of the few people who are born to parents, not of the same marginalized population, Mm -hmm. right? When you have a black child born to black parents, they get it. They understand and they're able, right? Like not only is the culture just who they are, right? And how they live their family life, but also the tips and the tricks and how to navigate your life within that population that you're a part of, within that community that you're a part of. Straight parents don't get that. Mm -hmm. It just is what it is. And so in order to create a family culture where every child in the family, including the LGBTQ children, feel like they belong to that family, you have to integrate that culture into your family as well. And it takes a lot of intent to do that. So that has been pointed to as one of the huge reasons why we have such a huge suicide rate in the LGBTQ youth community. LGBTQ youth are 40% more likely to attempt suicide than their heterosexual peers. When we can provide support and help for the parents, we can go a long way to saving queer youth lives. Absolutely. So we're going to link up the workshop in the show notes. So if people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Elena Joy Thurston, you can get information to sign up for the workshop. 
And then from there, you also have one other thing I wanted to bring to people's attention. You have an ally quiz and can you talk about that as well? Cause I think that might be something some of our listeners are interested in. Yeah, we just wanted a really quick and easy way. It's just five questions, an easy way to kind of determine, I think I'm an ally. I feel like I'm an ally. I want to be an ally, but am I an ally? (laughs) (laughs) And so we created this cute little quiz and it just kind of opens your eyes to maybe some issues within the community that you might not have been aware of. And those same issues are the things that your LGBTQ loved ones, your LGBTQ coworkers really wished you understood. I love it. And so not only is it like assessing your allyship, but it's also like giving you maybe some topics to go study and to ask questions. And I just learned about this. How do you feel about that as a lesbian, right? Like it can create some really great conversation in a really authentic way. I love it. I want everyone to go take the ally quiz because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important for us to like, you know, for the sake of accountability, but also that sake of deep understanding, not even deep understanding, even maybe initial understanding of what other people in the LGBTQ plus community would like us to know and would, would be supportive of them. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Elena Joy, this has been oh, such a powerful conversation. I appreciate all the ways that you've shown up and you have been vulnerable and sharing your story and you've really gone deep and specific in ways that I think will really touch other limit, other women listening and other moms. Can you tell people how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom? So last night was an event at my son's school. My son is student body president his senior year and it's homecoming week. And my son is in charge of like all the activities, including the powder puff game. And so we went last night for the first time in a year and a half, we went to the school, sat in the bleachers, watched my son and all his senior male friends do their cheerleading and watched the girls on the field playing football. And the stands were packed and 80% of them are Mormon. (laughs) Like that's where I sent my kids to school. Like I picked out the school that was 80% Mormon and that's where he's been since seventh grade. And there he is as a leader. And there's his lesbian mom sitting in the stands Mm -hmm. in the front row with her girlfriend taking pictures (laughs) Right. Like that experience blew me away because the very first, and this was a licensed therapist that I went to, Chad and I had gone to her for marriage therapy, right. When it all started. And then of course she wanted to do just individual therapy with me. And the very first thing she said in our very first appointment together was if you tell your kids, it will destroy them and they will not be functional adults and you will not have a relationship with them you need to take this secret to your grave. Oh my gosh. And then last night to sit in the stands and watch my son and hold my girlfriend's hand and to be there in a tank top. I mean, that was a big deal. I very intentionally wore a tank top. We know there's a whole bunch of people that were jealous of so many things happening. (laughs) This is so important for so many ways. And I have like goosebumps and tears in my eyes as you're explaining it, but like you are giving other women permission to live by being there as yourself. Oh yeah. My goodness. And that's because other women were able to do that for me. I mean, I'll never forget. It was six months into the rental and I was convinced I was the only ex Mormon lesbian mom. 
convinced I was the only one on the planet. And then I looked at podcasts and it turns out there's a podcast called the latter day lesbian. And it's this mom of seven kids from Utah. Who's now a lesbian. And it blew my mind. It blew my mind. And that literally gave me permission to do it myself. And so if I can do that for other women, absolutely. Oh my goodness. So good. I so appreciate the way that you're showing up because I know the impact. I mean, not the only that it will have massive impact, but also it will save lives and there's nothing more significant than that. Thank you so, so much for being here. You can come back anytime and share your resources (laughs) and your stories and all your good stuff. Like I said, we'll have everything linked in the show notes for everyone. And just thank you for being here and being you and sharing yourself so completely with the world. Thank you so much for having this platform and being able to share the mic. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.